let's talk about forgiveness. We all need forgiveness from God. In fact, uh, you can't have a life-giving relationship with God unless and until it starts with receiving forgiveness from God in Jesus. And then this life-giving relationship with God just continues to grow and build and build as we receive God's forgiveness in a daily way. And then this relationship with God kind of culminates as then uh, you share this forgiveness with those who hurt you from day to day. And this last part about forgiving people who hurt me is one of the major identifiers of a person who is a true Christ follower. In fact, you could say that the number one proof of my relationship with God is my ongoing practice of forgiving the people who hurt me on a day-to-day basis. Now, this idea that forgiving people is a number one proof of my relationship with God doesn't come from me, it comes from Jesus. Uh, When Jesus taught his people how to pray, he said, our Father uh, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then immediately after this prayer, Jesus then doubles down on this forgiveness part, saying, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And in this statement, Jesus is making painfully clear what it means, what he means when he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus means that my experience of God's forgiveness in my life is not invisible. It is visible. It will be visible in my relationships as I forgive those who hurt me. So how are you doing with this forgiveness dynamic in your relationships? Now, to answer this, you may have a few questions, questions like, what does it really mean to forgive someone? How do I know when I've forgiven someone? And how do I do it? Well, here's the good news. The good news is that God not only demands that I forgive people as his child, but also shows me what it looks like. And Jesus is the example. Jesus is the model who shows me how to forgive others the way he forgives me. Jesus gives me the forgiveness formula by modeling it. And the Apostle Paul picks up this theme when he writes this in Colossians chapter 3. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgives you. So how do I forgive? How do I know when I have forgiven someone? The answer is not found in the latest magazine. It's not in a psychology textbook. Jesus defines true forgiveness in what he did for me on the cross. So let's take a look at how Jesus forgives us on the cross and discover God's forgiveness formula. 
And Paul starts this process by highlighting the first part of God's forgiveness formula in the first chapter of that very same letter we were just looking at, Colossians, where he writes in chapter one, for God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins, where that word, Greek word for forgiveness means the release of our sins. How do I forgive? The answer is I forgive the way the Lord has forgiven me. And the first ingredient of his forgiveness for me includes this idea of release. Forgiving others as Jesus forgives me involves releasing. You know that expression, holding a grudge? Pretty descriptive. It implies that I'm holding a tight grip and have an unwillingness to let go of a person who has hurt me. So isn't it interesting that in the New Testament, one of the chief words for forgiveness means to release. This is what forgiveness means. Forgiveness means releasing a person from my desire for payback. It means releasing a person from my ongoing rage and wrath against the person who hurt me. Releasing, uh, forgiveness means releasing a prisoner. But here's what God sees. God sees that when I forgive, the one who is most set free is me. So let's think about some of the people I need to release. And let's start with the largest category. The largest category uh, is that group of people in your life who hurt you by failing you or failing your expectations. And the people who most fail to meet your expectations are the people who are closest to you, your mom, your dad, your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister, your closest friends, and of course, your spouse. You have expectations for how these people should treat you, how these people should never treat you, how these people should speak to you, what they should never say to you, what they should do, what they should never do to you. And when one of these people fails your expectation, it's deeper than just disappointment. It's hurt. Well, let's just, let's take an example or two. Well, let's say you're a wife uh, who, uh, when you have uh, a cold, when you're sick, you expect your husband to pamper you. Uh, your expectation is that your husband, when he sees that you have a sniffle, says, wow, you're sick. Let's call the paramedics, or at least let me, let me feed you something. Let me take care of you. Let me, let me at least give you another back rub. That is your expectation. But instead of your expectations, you have a husband who says, whoa, honey, are you sick? Because you look terrible. <laughs> you tell you what, honey, you know, uh, right after you clean the kitchen, you should go right to bed. <laughs> or let's say you're a husband. And your expectation is that whenever you come home, you are greeted by a wife who brings you your slippers, and you are greeted by a dog who comes a barking. That is your expectation. But when you come home, you get the reverse. 
you have a wife a barking, and or you have a, a, a let's just say uh, you, you're you're in that situation where you you don't have a wife who does what you expect. You have a husband who doesn't do what you expect. If you have these unmet expectations and you don't forgive, that unforgiveness results in resentment and bitterness. And like we talked about last week, sometimes I can handle uh, these kinds of situations with some simple conflict resolution. But let's face it, even in the very best of conflict resolutions, that's no guarantee that my expectations will be met in my relationships. Sometimes I just need to release people in my life. Sometimes I just need to forgive by releasing my spouse and others from my unmet expectations. Relationships are full of disappointments. And sometimes I just need to release my parents, release my kids, release my friends for not measuring up to the way I expect to be loved. Sometimes I need to just release my brothers and sisters here at church who don't meet my expectations for how I want to be supported. Now, obviously, sometimes the experience of hurt is much deeper than what we would call unmet expectations. But even if the wound is that devastating betrayal or abandonment, even if the hurt I must forgive goes deep, this principle of releasing is the same. I must release the person from the grip of my desire for payback. I must release the person from my ongoing wrath and rage because this is how God forgives me. Through Jesus, God releases me of all that my sin deserves and then he empowers me to release my hold on the grudges I have for the people in my life. But there's a second part of the forgiveness formula. Forgiving others as Jesus forgives me involves blessing. What is forgiveness? Well, Jesus shows me. He models it in what he does for me. And I know firsthand that the forgiveness of Jesus is much more than just releasing me from what I deserve. No, the forgiveness of Jesus includes showering me what I could never deserve. In Christ, God forgives me, and that means he blesses me with his indwelling spirit. That's how close he wants to be with me. His indwelling spirit who gives me joy and peace, and he dotes on me with a father's care. God showers me with blessing. And in the same way, Jesus calls me to a forgiveness formula that goes beyond me just refusing to, okay, not pay back. The, the evil or, or the offense that's been given to me. Jesus is calling me to a forgiveness that seeks ways to pay back my offender with good. That's what Jesus says in Luke chapter six. I tell you, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. And I know that some of you have been lost now, and you're saying, I can't do that. I can't do that. And here's why you say that. 
It's because all of us have a continuum of forgiveness. We're on the one side of the continuum. We have the smallest everyday kinds of offenses and how people annoy us that we need to forgive. Then on the other side of the continuum, we have the worst way in our lives that we have been violated or uh, offended or hurt. And uh, most of us say, I can't do this to Jesus. I can't bless because we have in mind this person, this person over here. But you know what? Jesus, he understands, by the way, he understands he does not want you to be unkind to yourself in the name of being kind uh, to your worst offender. Jesus does not want, to, want you to expose yourself to a dangerous or abusive person. In fact, you know, that's why in extreme cases, Jesus concedes that sometimes the only blessing you should consider is to pray for this person from a distance. But what about, Jesus says, all the other cases on your continuum? How can you say, I can't do that? Jesus says that if you are my follower, how about we start on the other end of the continuum? How about we start with those people who say and do little things to hurt you? How about instead of giving them payback in the form of an angry attitude or a cold shoulder or the silent treatment, how about instead you find little ways to bless instead of curse? You can do this. It's uh, heavy but moving traffic on the Merritt Parkway, and uh, there's a, a hot rod sports uh, car guy who gets right on your tail in this uh, traffic, and he starts blinking his lights, and when you can't go anywhere, he finds a way to aggressively go on the right and aggressively cut in front of you. But then a few moments later, the construction traffic comes to an absolute standstill, and the same hot rod guy is there, and he needs someone to let him into the lane and merge into the lane. What are you going to do? You are going to let him in. You can do this. It's over here, people. It's just that little thing that you can do to demonstrate that you are a forgiven person. That you can, and you can do this everywhere on the road of life. You can do this at home. You can do this at work. You can do this at school. You can forgive like you've been forgiven. You can pay back with something good instead of more evil. You can bless instead of curse. You can do this because this is how God forgives you and blesses you each and every moment of your life. The third ingredient to God's forgiveness formula is compassion. Compassion is the act of understanding someone else's pain. And it is at the center of what Jesus did for me and for you on the cross. In the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there is the account of a Roman centurion who supervised the crucifixion of Jesus. And according to the Gospels, uh, when Jesus gave up his spirit, this centurion declared loud enough to be heard over all the peals of thunder, surely this is the Son of God. And the centurion said this because he had seen hundreds of crucifixions. He had heard hundreds of men on the cross spewing out their hatred to him. 
The centurion was well acquainted with being the object of hate on those crucifixion hills. But when the centurion stood by Jesus' cross, it was different. And at first it puzzled him. He said, I punch Jesus in the face, but all that comes out is love. I whip his back, but all that comes out is love. I nail his hands and feet, and all that comes out is love. And then to the centurion's amazement, Jesus looks at him and says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the centurion is stunned to his soul because of all the men he had put on the cross, he had never been the object of compassion. And part of the forgiveness that Jesus shows me is compassion. He says to me from the cross, Father, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. Compassion is the act of understanding someone else's pain, even in the midst of your own. Compassion is the act of seeing that the person who hurts you is a hurting person. It's the act of seeing that the person who wounds you is wounded somewhere deep inside. Finding compassion in my heart for the person on the extreme end of my continuum is hard. In fact, it seems impossible. But yet God wants to set me free, even to the point of giving me compassion for the worst person in my life. And I know it sounds impossible, but I know It is possible. I know this kind of compassion is possible because this is what God did for me in the cross. Jesus models the true forgiveness formula. It is releasing plus blessing plus compassion. And Jesus models this from the cross. But you know, long before the cross, Jesus actually illustrated and taught God's forgiveness through stories like the story of a a father who runs out to embrace a prodigal child. Jesus is still telling stories that model God's forgiveness and what it looks like. Jesus is still telling those stories today in the lives of his people. Here's one such powerful story. What's going on at home? 
just just everything about life we share together. There's a there's a bond. There's a there's a camaraderie um, that's there. That's I think just unique. The, the, the memories that we have, the things that we've shared, have just been um, amazing. Um, to be honest, I wish that our friendship would have started under different circumstances. I work as a firefighter EMT. Um, I was just finished uh, getting off a 24-hour shift. Uh, we had an extremely busy shift. Um, I really only got about 30 minutes of sleep. I drove home and uh, I didn't really feel the need that I, I needed to pull over. So about two miles from my house, um, I ended up falling asleep at the wheel and crossing the center line and uh, hitting an oncoming car head on. I had just woken up uh, that morning and, and I heard a pounding on the front door. And so I went to see what was going on and uh, the senior pastor from my church where I serve, Jeff, was there. He had told me that my wife and my daughter had been in a car accident, that I need to get my keys, get my cell phone, get my wallet, and let's go. So I grabbed my stuff, we jumped in the truck, we went to the hospital. June had sustained um, some broken bones and, and the steering column had actually been uh, crushed in towards her abdominal area. And due to the injuries that she sustained, um, they, they pronounced her dead. Um, my wife was also pregnant, uh, almost seven months pregnant uh, with our son, and, um, and we lost him as well. Faith, uh, who was 19 months old at the time, was also in the car, but amazingly, uh, she came out of it with, uh, with no injuries, just some mild abrasions and some bruises. Um, hearing hearing the news, uh, just trying to process it. Not only did I lose uh, my wife and my best friend, but I also lost a son. <clears throat> I went outside uh, to call my mom and tell her what had happened. And it's <clears throat> the most difficult phone call I've ever had to make. Initially, I went through every emotion possible. Uh, it was really hard for me to come to grasp with how this could have happened to me and why this happened to me. I was a good kid. I was raised in a Christian home and how this could happen to Eric and his family. Um, him being a youth pastor and really living his life for the Lord. Uh, for the first couple weeks afterwards, um, it really broke me down to the lowest of the low. And uh, one night I just, I threw my hands up in the air and I just gave up and I said, God, I need your help. And it was that, that moment when it was like he placed his hand on my shoulder and wrapped me in a blanket of comfort. Initially it was tough not being able to talk to Eric because of legal issues. All I wanted to do was to make sure that he was okay and express my emotion and sorrow to him, and I couldn't. Uh, all everybody could tell me is that, that Eric was praying for me and wishing comfort upon me and I really couldn't understand that, but I knew that that was God working through him. So I got a call from the Solicitor General, and uh, she was wanting to know how I wanted to pursue the case against Matthew. I could push for the maximum penalty, which possibly would have meant jail time, but would have definitely eliminated um, any hope of him being a firefighter in the future, or I could opt for a lesser charge. And I remember thinking that this, this would be a wonderful opportunity um, for God to get glory, and for Christ to be um, lifted up. Uh, it's not gonna bring June back. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm certain he struggles every day, you know, just having to think through what happened. So I just decided to opt for the lesser charge uh, as an opportunity, again, to, to demonstrate God's forgiveness and God's love. 
The day before the two-year anniversary of the accident, I still had not spoken to Eric. I stopped at Poe's to get him a card, just let him know that I was thinking about him and praying for him and his family. As I got out of my truck to walk into the store, I saw Eric walking towards me. There were just tears uh, streaming down his face. I, I, just, I just walked up to him and I gave him a hug. And um, we embraced for a short time. And then I began to share with him kind of what God had taught me. Um, and we talked for an hour and a half to two hours. And it was just a, it was a beautiful time where we shared um, just experiencing God's grace, God's healing, the power of forgiveness, restoration. Um, I communicated to him a desire that I had to, to stay involved in his life, to, to invest in a relationship with him from this point forward. And he immediately um, echoed the same sentiment to me that that was something he had desired as well. And we wanted to just stay in touch and continue to grow in, in our relationship with each other as we continue to grow with, with God. And it was just to me amazing how God orchestrated all of this together. I mean, we happened to be at the same place on the same day to talk for the first time. And I remember thinking, had we not met uh, and had this conversation, we wouldn't be where we are today. In fact, it was an opportunity that God used to not only heal and bless us, but we feel like it's going to be one that he uses to heal and bless others as well. All I remember is Eric telling me that he wasn't mad at me and that he didn't blame me. And all I can tell him, could tell him is how sorry I was. God has taught me through Eric the power of forgiveness, the healing through forgiveness, and his faithfulness. Me and Eric now share a bond that is unbreakable. And through Eric's friendship, my life has forever changed. Now, don't think this is a rainbows and butterflies kind of story. Um, it's, been a, it's been a rough road. It's been a lot of lonely nights. Tremendous pain, um, thoughts of uncertainty and, and frustration. There's not a day that goes by that I don't wish June was still here. But I am who I am today because of what God has done in me through these circumstances. And for that, I'm thankful. You know, one thing I've learned from this whole experience is this, is that God is faithful. And that when our little bit of faith would intersect with His faithfulness, God shows up big and does some amazing things in us and through us. I thought maybe just in the last few moments here, I could just uh, lead us in a little reflection on uh, this story uh, between Eric and Matthew. Because on one level, uh, Eric and Matthew and their human story is actually a picture of God's big story in the gospel. Uh, if you are in Jesus today, then what Eric did for Matthew is what God does for you. Uh, Eric didn't just forgive Matthew uh, for what he did. Eric didn't just release Matthew from punishment. Eric made Matthew his friend. And this is what God does through Jesus. God does more than just forgive you. God does more than just release you from punishment. God makes you his friend. And God doesn't wait to just bump into you uh, somewhere along life's journey. God goes out after you. He runs after you to wrap you up in his complete, unconditional love and makes you his personal, forever friend. So if you follow Jesus today, this is true about you and God. 
But this truth comes with at least two imperative implications. And the first implication is that if you have a story like this of a relationship with God, a friendship with God, it is too good to keep to yourself. Just like Eric and Matthew have a story that is too good to keep a secret, if you have a friendship with God through Jesus, Jesus commands you to share it, to declare it, starting with baptism. If you have become God's forever friend through the cross, Jesus commands you to declare it through baptism. It's not about what you think, it's not about what you feel or what you would prefer, it's about following Jesus and what he says. And what Jesus says is that if you've not been baptized to declare this friendship with him, you need to do that. And so right after this service, you're going to walk out uh, the back door and you're going to go to the prayer room for a 10-minute or less briefing so you can be ready to be baptized in two weeks, June 24th. Don't worry about communicating your story. That's our job. It's on us. We'll make it easy for you. And do not say, I can't be baptized because I'm not perfect yet. None of us is perfect you will be flawed forever to remind you that you always need the forgiveness of God. So if you have a forever friendship with God, you need to share it starting with your baptism. That's the first imperative. The second imperative is that you must forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Eric and Matthew's story is the, an extreme example of how God empowers his people to follow his forgiveness formula, releasing, blessing, compassion. Releasing plus blessing plus compassion. If you have been forgiven by Jesus, then you have his Holy Spirit empowering you to follow this miraculous formula. I don't need to know who it is. I, I can't know who it is that you need to forgive today, but I know there's somebody. I know there's somebody living or dead. Right now, God is prompting you to either forgive someone from your past, release somebody in your present, or God's preparing you for what you're gonna need in the very near future. Everybody gets hurt, but there are a few people in this world in this world, who find the freedom of the forgiveness formula of God. How about you? We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.